Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk with you as always, and today... Dan Feldman and I are breaking down the rest of the NBA season. You know, we like to think of it like, oh, the All-Star breaks the halfway point. This year, there's tw- like 25 games left. Basically, the last stretch of the season is coming up. We're going to break down what to look for, some of the big storylines. But first, just a reminder, if you're enjoying this podcast, go into Apple Podcasts. Go to applepodcast.com slash PBT on NBC. That's Pro Basketball Talk PBT on NBC subscribe, and more than that, just comment. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us how you like it or what you want to see changed. We would love to hear from you. Rate us, and we are going to dive right in now. And to break everything down, we welcome in Dan Feldman from NBC Sports. How's it going, Dan? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Lots of interesting storylines for these last 20 to 25 games of the regular season, but we'll start with the one I've been asked about the most, like on radio shows or just by friends. Dan? Is Cleveland for real? Yes, but not precisely because they upgraded their roster with the trades. And I guess we have to define for real, right? For real yeah, that's what I say. That's Eastern the first part of it. Only, right? right. I, look, I don't think they're an, any kind of threat to a Golden State or Houston. Let's assume those, one of those teams comes out of the West. They're not a threat. They're just not going to be good enough. They weren't before. Even with all these changes and with LeBron playing be- better, they're not a threat to these teams. I'll be honest with you, Dan. I don't think they're as good as last year's Cavaliers team. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, this they don't have. Kawhi, I'm sorry, Kawhi Leonard. They don't have Kawhi Leonard for sure. They don't have um, Kyrie Irving as a secondary shot creator, as a guy who can step up in big moments. I mean, nothing against Jordan Clarkson and George Hill, but I don't think this team is as good as last year's. But that doesn't mean they're not coming out of the East. I think they're still good enough for that. Right. So as long as we're defining for real as winning the East. You know, or a strong contender to win the East. I think they are. Uh, I also don't think they're as good as last year. But we got to see where this new roster rounds out before you know before it really gets to that point. Before we can say for certain, we don't know much as much about the Cavs as other teams, which is why I'm sure we're leading this podcast about what we're watching for the second half of the season with them. There yeah. maybe I wouldn't say a huge mystery, uh, but there's enough variance and high stakes variance that you got to start with them. But I also don't think the Warriors are as good as last year. They're not as locked in and sharp defensively. And that's what we saw the problem was, was with Cleveland. Uh, when you have, now it's a relative matter of scale. Cleveland had bad defensive habits last year. The Warriors just, don't have as good of defensive habits. But those are the types of things that can come back and bite you. I I don't think the Cavs have no chance against the Warriors or especially the Rockets, Uh, but I do believe either of those teams would be favored. Uh, With this Cavs roster, though, I think these trades before the deadline, more than upgrading the talent and making the team actually better, the most important thing by far did 
it was invigorate LeBron and yep. everybody else. Like there's less tension, and, and when LeBron's more invested, the team is going to be better, uh, and that's what gives Cleveland a real chance. Exactly. I look. Did they get longer and more athletic? Yeah, certainly they did. But I think that's the energy level. When I you know wrote the story this week about if you can go on to NBCSports.com, I talked to Kevin Love. He just talked about a different energy and a different vibe within the locker room, and that was the big thing for them. It's, it's they needed that. They weren't. If you watched them on defense, not, LeBron wasn't getting back on defense. Guys on the weak side were like, "Oh, hey, the role man's going down the lane. I should get him." Oops. Like it was, it was t- genuinely terrible. Now you've got Larry Nance Jr. jumping in the lane, and you've got guys zoning off and tagging up and re- challenging shooters, and just doing all the things that are just part of being an NBA defense. And that alone is a big boost. And you combine that with the fact that neither Toronto nor Boston are juggernauts, and they got a chance. But I will make my plug again that I, I really think Toronto's got a shot. I'm not convinced they're going to come out of the East, but I think Toronto's got a legitimate shot. I agree, but I've got. I, whenever I talk about Toronto, I have to add the caveat: I thought so last year too, yeah. and I was dead wrong. Yeah, that and was I, a different team. They're playing a different style. It seems to lend itself more to the playoffs. But I really like the talent on that Toronto team. I like last year. I liked how they could go small with. Serge Ibaka and P.J. Tucker, and uh, they lose some of that small, defensive-oriented, like, they downgraded their roster in some ways this year and are making up for it by playing smarter. I don't know exactly where that leaves them on balance. And to be fair, like we said, as as high as I've been on Toronto, when really pressured at points this season late in close games, they have reverted back to isolation basketball. They've reverted back to some of their problems. So I think it's fair to ask what happens in the you know, the cauldron of the playoffs where, where, where these things are going to really be tested. We'll see, but I'm optimistic that they are going to be a team that really makes this a three team race at the top of the East. And that said, Dan, I'll tell you what I've been telling. Like every time I get asked about this on radio, I use the same line, which is LeBron James has been to seven straight NBA finals. And I'm not picking against him now until he loses one. Like until he, until he loses an Eastern conference finals, I can't pick against him. The West at the top is going to be interesting. Do you think it's going to be Houston or or Golden State? I think it's going to be Golden State. I mean, I, I've been on the bandwagon since the summer that Houston gave themselves the best chance possible against a team like Golden State. But the Warriors are, are so loaded, and uh, I would not be surprised if the Rockets beat them, but there is no way I could pick against the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Warriors, like, I just... They had a bad case of senioritis. I think they come back and are pretty focused after the break and build some good habits, but we'll see. The more interesting race is the bottom of the West and the rest of that West where you... It is just really tight through the bottom half of that conference right now. There are four and a half games separating the Spurs and Timberwolves, who are tied for the three seed right now, and the 10th place Jazz. I mean, this could shake out in a lot of ways... I still think, look, I think the Spurs are still going to get in, but they have a brutal schedule and no Kawhi Leonard the rest of the way. By the way, for the record, that whole, like, Greg Popovich saying, I don't expect Kawhi Leonard back the rest of the year, everybody took that about being about Kawhi. That was a message to everybody in the locker room now, like, dude, he's not coming. Stop waiting. We got to get it together. Um, But they could slide down. Minnesota could be the three seed. I think Oklahoma City gets in. I think Minnesota gets in. They're in that group. But that still leaves a really tight race with Utah, the Clippers. I mean, five teams for three spots. Denver's in there. 
um, it's just going to be really, really tight and probably the most interesting race down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of credit goes to the Clippers and Jazz yeah. for making this interesting because at different points, both teams looked out of it. The Clippers looked out of it at multiple different points, uh, but they Doc Rivers has done a great job of, of empowering some role and lesser players and putting them in position to succeed. Lou Williams is stepping up with a great season. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, eh, maybe sulking a little bit, but still effective. And then the Jazz, just getting so hot lately, they won 11 in a row going into the All-Star break. Uh, just a real incredible turnaround. Some of it looks sustainable, some of it doesn't, uh, but they're at least they're in the race now. And at, at, Before this win streak, I looked at the Jazz as a team that, you know, man, they had some bad luck with injuries. Maybe if they were healthy all year, they could be in the race. Like, they... On, on some, they look like a team that belongs, and thanks to this winning streak, even if it was due to things not sustainable, they're at least now in the race and can prove whether they are not actually a team that belongs. I'll be honest with you. I think they're in. They have the easiest schedule of all those teams the rest of the way, um, I, and it's not just the hot streak now. I think that with their soft schedule the rest of the way, I think that they're going to be in and could climb all the way up to the sixth seed. Like I think that they're going to move way up in this thing finish with 45 or 46 wins and be in comfortably. Wow. I mean, what a what an incredible story it would be if they do that. Heck, even if they make the playoffs, it'd be amazing. Teams with rookies who shoot as much as Donovan Mitchell almost never make the playoffs, uh, especially when that's a rookie guard. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's having an excellent season, but even somebody like Damian Lillard, who as a rookie didn't make the playoffs, couldn't lead a decent Portland team there. Usually when you give that much responsibility to a rookie guard, things go wrong. The offense doesn't quite flow in the right ways. There are too many turnovers. Like Very few rookies can handle that load on a good team in the history of the NBA. Uh, that Donovan Mitchell is even potentially in position to lead the Jazz there is incredible. Yeah, I, I, who do you think it's in? I think, look, I think Denver's in. I think that they're playing well yeah. enough. I think that they're going to – they're probably the sixth seed. I have Utah in. Then it gets interesting. You've got Portland, New Orleans, and the Clippers basically for that final spot. And Utah might be in that mix. Boy, that's tight. I mean, honestly, you could put that in almost any direction, and I would be able to argue it. I think it's really going to come down to some lucky wins. It could. Uh, I'm with you on Denver. Paul Millsap should be coming yeah. back at, at some point. That should help, although – you know, sometimes you see with those situations, a guy comes back and there's a, a short adjustment period in a race this tight that can make the difference in the wrong way. Uh, maybe there's not enough time to make up for it with Millsap. And uh, he and Nikola Jokic, when, when Millsap got hurt, were still learning how to play with each other. So it's not even as if they're going back to something that clearly works. Uh, the Pelicans are, are the popular pick to drop out. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, without DeMarcus Cousins, their they're offenses, not the same team. Yeah, they've not, their offense has really dropped off the map without DeMarcus. Yeah, they just don't have the roster. I think Alvin Gentry has done a good job of getting the players who are on the court to understand you know, what to do, how to play, how, have everybody playing hard. But then you look and say, man, why is he playing Rajon Rondo so many minutes? Like, Why yeah. does he keep putting non-shooters uh, like DeAndre Liggins out there? Like, this is, this is not a good setup. And then you look at the rest of the roster, and it's hard to say, well, no, I'd give minutes to that guy instead. It's a very flawed roster, not much depth, and uh, this is kind of the rotation they're stuck with, and uh, I don't know if it gets any better, and I don't know if they can hang on with this rotation. And by the way, the buzz I heard uh, out of out of the All-Star weekend talking to people, there might very well be changes in New Orleans this summer 
But Dell Demps is more likely to stay on as GM, the builder of that flawed roster, than Alvin Gentry will be as coach. So just something to look forward to. We'll see if that's, that's you know, if there's anything actually to that. But well, that's not probably the direction I would have gone with that if I were uh, one of the people in the, uh, the Tom Benson organization. So, uh, One of the biggest problems with personnel in the NBA is when somebody is not good at their job, but also likable. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's jump over to the East. It's a little more interesting over there. Is Detroit going to jump into the playoffs, Dan? Uh, you know, the, the biggest variable there, and they, they could pass Miami, but to me the biggest variable is how many games does Joel Embiid play? Yeah. Uh, when the when he plays, I think the 76ers are better than the Pistons. When he doesn't, the Pistons are better than the 76ers. And that's going to be the key variable the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, the, the, I will add this. The Sixers have one of the softest schedules in the NBA the rest of the way. They should be able to hold on. But like you said, if they don't have Embiid, they, they're not nearly the same team. And it's also, we talked just talked about how tight the West, the West was. The East, it's still five games separate the Wizards in fourth and the Pistons in ninth. Like, there's a That's lot a of shakeup. It's a lot, but there could be some shakeup there. Like, I don't think the Wizards are falling out, but could the Wizards without Wall slip down the board a little and have a tougher uh, first-round matchup? I mean, I think there could be shakeup in the order, but we may have seen the teams. I'm not sure if Detroit gets in. You know, one as far as the order, one thing I find interesting was, you know, the Cavs have won a few games in a row now. Uh, They've got to be looking like the third seed. They're they're six and a half back of number one, four and a half back of number two, and one and a half up on the fourth place Wizards, who, like you said, without John Wall for a little bit, uh, probably not going to make a big push up the standings. Uh, So if the Cavs are locked in at three, that's got to be a relief to the Raptors and Celtics, who are battling out for one and two, uh, because you don't want to be in a position where you're trying to figure out, well, do I want to do I want to be one? where I could face the Cavs in the second round if they're the four seed, or do I want to be two? Like, try and avoid Cleveland as the three yeah. or the four. If Cleveland's pretty much locked into the three, or maybe even more, you know, could even climb up to the two, then at least you know where you stand, and you want to be the one and avoid them till the conference finals. Exactly. By the way, if it shakes out and we get Kyrie Irving versus LeBron James, Boston, Cleveland, second round, the second round just got a lot more interesting, Dan. Sure. <laughs> it's, that, would be a, yeah. that would be a fun second-round series, but you're right. I think those teams are desperately going to try to avoid Cleveland in the second round. We haven't talked about the biggest race, though, the rest of the way. The $600,000 race, if you are Mark Cuban. <laughs> the race to the bottom, the tanking, it's really tight. Again, at the bottom, you've got six teams with 18 wins. Phoenix, Dallas, Sacramento, Memphis, and Atlanta, Atlanta and Orlando. The Nets have 19, but they're actually trying to win. They don't have their own pick. The Bulls have 20, the Knicks have 23, and they don't have Porzingis. They may not win another game. They're not going to win much the rest of the way. It's going to be ta- – is it just me? You think this is going to turn into Tankapalooza at the bottom? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and this and this is the last year with the lottery odds as they are where the number one seed in the lottery has a 25% chance and it's guaranteed yeah. a, a top three – or top four seed – or top four pick. So, so there's all the incentive. It all shakes up, and – yeah, this this is going to get ugly. There there are too many teams with too strong incentives who are right there. They're right in the mix. Uh, there's no point of giving up now. Exactly. I, look, Phoenix is already playing their youngsters. They don't really have they don't really have good veterans anyway. Um, Dallas has got Mark Cuban saying they're tanking. The Kings have gone on a youthful spree. 
Um, the, the Bulls are going on a youth spree. And by the way, the best is like their fan base every time they win just flips out. Just absolutely <laughs> flips out. Like, how are you winning? Um, yeah, it's going to be kind of a mess. And it's the PR problem that the league hates. They they like the facade of competition at the until the end of the season. That's why they're talking about one through 16 seedings or better yet, the, the kind of the play-in tournament. It's just to generate more interest. It's to generate more income, let's be honest. But generate more interest at the end of the season and keep more teams involved longer. They don't like this storyline. Can I give you the uh, the current active streaks yeah. from teams from the bottom of the standings up? Yeah. Lost seven, lost two, lost two, lost three, lost one, lost seven, lost seven, lost one, lost eight. That's <laughs> the next. I mean, these teams are, are so good at getting to the bottom. It's always it's always fun, depending on your perspective, to, to see a game between these teams late in the year and see which team is better at tanking because it usually reveals itself early. The teams that are really good at tanking, they fall behind so far so early that it doesn't leave a chance for anything crazy to happen later. No, it doesn't. And now it's just going to be... It's, this could come down to reverse tiebreakers. I don't know what you call tiebreakers. I guess they're still just tiebreakers in the in the bottom and coin flips for teams as they try to figure out lottery position. It's, it's going to be an ugly storyline, but it also impacts the races we were talking about. If you're Philadelphia, who's got a soft schedule the rest of the way, and you're looking at your schedule and you're like, I've got a bunch of these teams at the bottom... Those are games you could win, and frankly, maybe even win some without Embiid if your guys care, <laughs> because the, you know That's true. The, it's it's going to impact some of these these races down the, the stretch. The other races everybody always tries to watch down the stretch, Dan, are the um, the awards races. Is 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 MVP a race anymore? Is to me, it's kind of hardened in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think Giannis is in striking distance. I think LeBron is in striking distance. I think maybe even Jimmy Butler should be in striking distance, though he's not. He doesn't have the the narrative with him. Harden is the clear front runner, and it's hard to see him getting caught from behind. But there are at least a couple guys in range. Yeah, they could. Would you have? I mean, right now I'd probably have. And and I just look to be honest. Uh, if you go check out Tim Bontemps, go out. You should be reading Tim Bontemps in the Washington Post. They actually, he he and Candace between the two of them, she covers the Wizards for them. They're doing a really great job at that site. But uh, he had a poll um, that I took part in of of some voters, some non-voters for uh, MVP race, and Harden's kind of a clear number one. But they had Curry number two. Like the, the people he pulled, which kind of it was Curry, Durant, Curry, then Durant, then LeBron, then Giannis, which kind of surprised me at the order because I'm with you. I think it's if LeBron keeps playing this way the rest of the way, he's probably two and Giannis is three. But it's whatever order you're going to put those two guys in. Um, and in theory, I guess they could catch Harden. I just I don't think in practice that's going to happen. Harden wants this thing. I mean, he wants this thing. And, and he has it from so many angles because. He's having an excellent season, probably the best season in the league. So anybody who's just judging that, whether you're doing it through the eye test or stats, a lot of people are going to come to that conclusion. And there's no fatigue with Harden. It's one of my least favorite things about awards, but voters do get tired of voting for the same people every year, and Harden has never won it. There are also people who like to reward somebody for where they are in their career, Again, it fits the same way. He's never won it. He's on the upswing. He's improving. He's on an excellent team for the people who care more about that. Like, he checks pretty much every box. He does. So, it's. I think there are more interesting awards races, though, than this one. And probably the most interesting is the two-man race for Rookie of the Year with 
uh, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that to me is like you've got two horses at the top of the stretch neck and neck, and that's pretty much how it's going to go down the rest of the way. It, it could be a head bob at the end. Yeah, I mean, I've gone back and forth on this, and it's not because I can't make up my mind. It's because I keep thinking one player passes the other. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Ben Simmons got off to such a hot start, seemed to be running away with it. Donovan Mitchell has been on a tear, got back ahead. Uh, Simmons slumped a little. Simmons came back around. Like, it is back and forth, and, and they're playing so well. It's not like last year when you were like, yes. well... Brogdon has played more games on a good but, yeah it was it has been better and just like sounding kind of miserable about any choice well exactly last year it was Embiid's clearly the best rookie but he only played 31 games and I've I had voted for Brogdon number one because he played quality minutes solid minutes on a contending team it was essentially like voting for Bam Abadayo or somebody this year like well he's played well like you know <laughs> There's a couple of guys this year who are going to possibly make the all-rookie team by being quality rotation players on good teams. You know, um, that that was good enough last year. This year, you've got two guys who look absolutely phenomenal, and it's going to be hard to choose between them. And it really is going to come down to, to performance over the last month. How much do you think Donovan Mitchell helped his cause? I don't know that he helped his cause much with voters, because I think voters were aware of him. I think... Donovan Mitchell's brand went way up All-Star Weekend with winning the dunk contest and just kind of being front and center. Like, more casual fans now know who he is, where that wasn't necessarily the case. But do you think he could have helped his case with voters at all? I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting question. Rachel Nichols actually asked him that, uh, oh. you know, in the, post, in the post-dunk contest press conference. And Mitchell, like, his media reaction was like, no, the dunk contest shouldn't have anything to do with Rookie of the Year. Like, these are separate things. And then you could see it kind of dawn on him, like, Oh, wait a second, though. That would help me. And he kind of just like, oh, yeah, maybe it should. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate. Like, it probably shouldn't, but I wouldn't hate it if it does. And you know, these things can be subconscious, where where your perception of him is different because he's more in the public spotlight and generating more attention and has more fans. And you know, I don't think any voters are going to look at that and say, well, he won the dunk contest. He should be rookie of the year. Or he did all all these brand things at All Star Weekend. He should be rookie of the year. But the more he's out there that can affect how people perceive him. Cool. The other weird race, and I forgot to warn you about asking you about this one, is Defensive Player of the Year, only because I don't know that anybody's reached out and grabbed that award yet. In, in past years, you were like, oh, it's it's really going to be between Rudy Gobert and or Kawhi Leonard or you know D- D- Draymond Green. This year, it's like nobody's nobody's grabbed that mantle yet, and it's it, we'll see what happens down the stretch. Yeah, that's that's what makes Rookie of the Year such a fun race. Like you know who the two contenders are, and you can watch them, and you can see them trying to one up each other each night. With Defensive Player of the Year, it's hard enough to even say who's in the race. Yeah. Like right now, I guess I'd favor Joel Embiid over. Yeah. He, I'm not even sure. Draymond's like, been good, but not as good as he normally is. Right. Uh, it's like yeah. There's a narrative behind Kevin Durant, which I, I don't really like at all. I think Draymond Green is the better defender and having the better yeah. defensive year on his team. But Kevin Durant's blocking shots, so he's got to win it, uh, which conveniently kind of ignores that maybe he's blocking shots. And it's very effective and a very cool thing he's doing. Uh, but maybe it kind of ignores that he's not quite as effective this year defending on the perimeter as he's been on the past. It's not like he's definitely a better defender all of a sudden. He's just a different defender. Yeah, it, that race is going to be interesting to see if anybody just 
takes hold of it. And and, and maybe if Embiid plays enough games, he can solidify that because he'd probably be on top of my board right now. But I'll be honest with you that I have my list, my kind of watch list for that award has Joel Embiid in the top spot. And then the number two spot is like eight names with or, or, or between them. Cause I'm, it could go just, there's a lot of guys you can try to make a case for. Um, Dan. And, and think about what, oh, what the clear watch list was going into the season. Kawhi Leonard, nope. Rudy Gobert, uh, injured I, I too much. In this flawed year, maybe if he stays healthy the rest of the year, he could get back into it. But it's like rookie of the year last year, where you're going to be picking somebody, but not really feel inspired by it. No, not at all. Yeah, I just I, to me, he will have missed too many games. And by the way, with fluky injuries, not like you know, guys fell into his knee. Like, there's not much you can do about that. But I just think he missed too much time, and and you didn't impact enough possessions. But then again, you know, they've played really well with him on the floor the last the last 11 games, obviously. So uh, their defense has been under a point per possession. We keep talking about the offense and some of the unsustainable stuff and Ricky Rubio knocking down shots. Their defense is sustainable, and they're back to playing great defense. So we'll see uh, if what happens with sixth man of the year. Will we see Markel Fultz this season? Uh, and I, I don't know how we, I don't know how either of us would be able to answer this. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not sure the 76ers can answer it. Uh, although, you know, I mean, some something has to change for him to be out there, and yeah. not a lot seems to be changing. No, I, and and it's less about the shot now. They just need to get his confidence. If you're trying to build up his confidence, do you bring him back into the midst of a playoff chase, or are you better off suited till hey, we're gonna throw you out in summer league? Like you're gonna go in summer league and and just be able to control things a little more. I mean, if if you're worried about his confidence, bringing him back into into a team kind of fighting to keep a playoff spot could be harder. See, I don't think that's an easy answer because uh, telling him no, you think you're healthy enough and good enough to play, but we yeah. don't believe in you right now. Yeah. Like that's not great for his confidence either. No, it's not. So I. I'm curious where they're going to land with this. Where how, how frustrated is he? How you know? How much does he want to get back? It's going to be. I don't know how we answer that without without being a, a fly on the wall of Brett Brown's office, and and we are not that. It's 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 an interesting internal discussion going on in Philadelphia. It looks like we're not going to see Kawhi Leonard. We'll see what happens there. Um, this is a weird situation where. He's technically medically cleared, but we've seen this with other players and frankly in other players in other sports where they're like, you say I'm cleared. I don't feel right. Something's wrong. And some players I'd bulk at. But with Kawhi Leonard, you're like, it's not like he's sitting on a beach in Cabo right now. Like he's 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 a guy who would want to play. So I'm I'm curious how that works out and 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 how much there really is to that tension or if once he gets back with the team and playing with Popovich of all that kind of melts away. So um, but we're probably not seeing him this season. I mean, if Popovich said he doesn't expect to see him, <laughs> I don't expect to see him. Exactly. One last thing I'm kind of watching, and this is really more of a playoff question, because we're not going to see John Wall until just a few weeks. But you know, he's out for he's missing a month. He'll he'll have a little time before the playoffs to kind of get reacclimated with the Wizards. They will be in the postseason. But how big a threat are they in the postseason? I mean, John Wall, I think, is their best player, but Bradley Beal has had their best season, and I'm not uh, entirely sure why there's this, that disconnect, but the simplest, easiest answer is because Wall hasn't been healthy, so let him get healthy, you get a better John Wall back, well, the Wizards could be pretty good. Like This is a team that has a bunch of players in their prime. 
Yeah, they do. They're in that. They'll, they'll probably land in that four-five slot, and they should be able to advance to the second round. I would think. I, you know, we'll see how things shake out. Milwaukee's kind of a scary team if they put it together. Do you believe in their defense, or do you want to see it against good teams? Milwaukee or Washington? Milwaukee. Um, you know, I I do think going to Joe Prunty has been good. I, you know, I we'll need to see more. It's a small sample. Uh, but I think not being quite as aggressive the way Jason Kidd was with all the trapping, like I think it's been good for this team. I think it's been good for this team too. But they have had a really soft, like when they've had a really soft schedule since he came in, so they don't have that going forward as much. They've got some tougher games coming up. I think we'll get a better sense of, you know, they they gave up 134 points in the game before the break. But I tend to always discount the game right before the break because everybody's just mentally checked out. So. We'll see where um, we'll see where they kind of are over the next break. I, Washington's just a team that fascinates me because on paper they should be so much better than they are, especially when you consider like Kelly Oubre's played well this year. Like their bench was an issue, their bench is less of an issue, but I still just can't believe in them. Yes, I mean they've been a team though that has been over several years been better in the playoffs than in the regular season. They've dialed it up at the right points. They're kind of like the anti-Toronto, where I'm going to give them a little more benefit of the doubt. It'll be interesting. They'll if they get to the second round and get Toronto. If if it shakes out like we like it is right now, which I kind of think it will. I think Toronto gets the one, Boston the two, Cleveland the three, and if Washington's the four, four or five, but then they get into that. Uh, Toronto second round matchup that second round in the east becomes a really interesting really interesting set of matchups where like I want to believe in Toronto but there's your big test and you know Cleveland Boston would be fascinating and not just because of the LeBron Kyrie angle although that's a fun one but that just because that's that's an a team that's about discipline versus a team with LeBron it's going to be it's going to be fascinating yes you, you, uh, you pinpointed the Wizards. Uh, one team that I'm particularly interested in the rest of the way that we haven't talked about is the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, mo- mostly with Paul George's free agency looming. He he sounds like somebody who's going to sit, stay in Oklahoma City. And I think he's smart enough to know he's coming across that way. Now, whether he's just doing it for the short term, like, oh, people will like hearing these things. Or, you know, I would think he's worried about sending a signal and, and setting expectations, and then if those are shattered in Oklahoma City, becoming a villain. I think he'd be concerned about that, but I don't know. Maybe he's not. Uh, but no matter how he sounds now, and no matter what he says now, it's going to matter how he feels when the season ends and whether he views it as a successful season. And that's going to matter you know, how the, how the Thunder do in the playoffs, which will have a lot to do with where they're seated, who they're matched up with, uh, how they figure out how to play without Andre Robertson, which they – are still trying to adjust to. Uh, so I think there's a real intriguing team the rest of the way. You, you just touched on, I think, the key thing with them. Their last 10 games, they are 18th in the league in defense. And this is a team that's really relied on their defense for much of the season while well, they tried to figure the offense out. They're not, they miss Andre Roberson a lot and, and his ability to switch on defense and take some load off of Paul George that uh, they're not going to be able to do now in the playoffs. I, I'm curious how they fill that gap, too. I think that that's an interesting team to watch because I want to like them more than I've liked how they've played a lot of the time. This, I, on paper, they should be good. And I think they might be one of those teams that's kind of better suited for playoff basketball and tighter rotations than, than the regular season, too. Yes. And and I, I guess it's worth pointing out, too, that Carmel Anthony has a player option for next season. It's a lot of money, far more money than he'd get as a free agent. But at this point in his career, who knows exactly what his wishes are and you know if the thunder look like a team that can give him the best of both worlds the winning and the money uh great 
But if they stumble and can't figure it out defensively, then who knows what happens with that? Like they're they're a team that could a lot could change throughout the league depending on how they do. I say Carmelo Anthony has finally come to the decision that money is not the most important thing. He's not going to opt in. He's going to opt out and join LeBron oh. James in Houston. No, oh. I'm, just, I'm just making that up. I, <laughs> the day that he like doesn't it. take the money first, uh, will, I, I will I will eat my words. He's opting in. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I do think there will be a day he doesn't take the money first, but I think it'll be in 2019. Yeah, exactly, because it will not be 2018. So When, it, when it's a difference of... Eight million versus two million, as opposed to twenty-eight million versus two million. Yeah, that's a lot of money to leave on the table. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. That's a lot of money to leave on the table. Dan, I'm not leaving any money on the table with you. I'm, I will pay you the full two fifty, two dollars and fifty cents that we try to do for these podcasts. So, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for being here. Everybody can find Dan Feldman on Twitter at. Dan Feldman, NBA. And, of course, uh, you can find his work at NBCSports.com, where I am as well. Uh, Kurt Heelan at Basketball Talk on Twitter if you're looking for me. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and thanks again. Don't forget to go to ApplePodcast.com slash PBT on NBC. You can subscribe there, comment. You can also find all our podcasts online at NBCSports.com, plus a lot of the other Oh, look, there's a lot of great podcasts, both coming out of the Olympics, NFL, a lot of fantastic stuff. Baseball as they start to head in. Pitchers and catchers are reporting pretty soon. All of it at, ProBas- at, at NBCSports.com. You can find all of that. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.